Welcome back to Cloud's Retirement Chat. I am John Jagay. I'm joined again by the man with much better hair than me, Tommy Cloud. Always good to be with you, sir. Thank you, John. Your haircut's not that bad. It looks good. A little bald dome going here. So, (laughs) (laughs) So today's the first of two podcasts we're going to do about how to pay less taxes in retirement. This is something that I think a lot of people, as they head into retirement, don't really plan for and can sometimes be caught off guard by. Certainly, I've seen that uh, year after year. I was thinking about it today at, at lunch, and I'm sitting here thinking about people that don't have financial planners, and they just don't want to pay for it, I guess, or they think they can do a better job themselves. I started this journey as a boy. My dad worked for the fifth largest mutual fund in the country, and I began talking about economics, precious metals, and real estate with him, the stock market, uh, mm-hmm. money printing, fiat currency at a, as, as a boy. And then, of course, when I went to college, I studied finance and graduated from Georgia Tech with a certificate in finance and then immediately started getting my designations, my licenses. And I've been studying this for 30 plus years. Yeah. And you know, I was on the investment committee where we managed stocks and outperformed 90% of all mutual funds when I was in college. And it still scares me the amount of things I don't know. Right. Yeah. So there's a word for people that think they know a lot about something and really haven't studied it much. There's a, there's a word for that. And I'm sure we don't have to say it, but it, it goes back <laughs> to what you were saying. Absolutely. We see people come in, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know how to put together a portfolio. I was thinking about portfolio today, actually, not necessarily taxes, but I know this show's about taxes. But it's the same type thing. As we look at taxes, I see people come in and they're not taking full advantage of it. Uh, and particularly the ones, you know, the, the, the more income you're making, the higher your marginal rate is, the more you can save in taxes. The marginal rate's your highest and last rate that you pay on each additional dollar. So yes, John, tax planning is something that we do. It's a meeting that we have with our clients, our wealth management clients once per year. And it's one of my favorite meetings because whereas a lot of times I'm telling them and helping them do things and learn about products that they have no idea about, that will help them achieve their goals and help them achieve the level of risk and the level of inflation protection that they want. In the tax planning meeting, I can actually go in and say, hey, if you do this, you will save this much in money. And a lot of times they come on board with me, I can begin helping them to do something, particularly if they're in their like last 10 years of work or last five years, I can help them do something that'll cover my entire fee. Wow. I think that's really important there, Tommy, because you're talking about you know, a lot of theoretical stuff when you're planning out with a client. But when you have something concrete, you can put in front of them and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it's going to save you X. That really has to resonate with people. It really does, especially when they're able to implement it. And that's, that's one of the huge things too. It's like, well, you, you need to do this. You need to do that. And, and it can be daunting when you're talking about some of the things that they have to do. And one of the things I'm working on with a client right now is setting up an LLC for their rental properties. And it's just the husband and wife, the guy, of course, the man, the husband's an executive, the wife, they have children, and they're managing all these different assets that they have. And so, you know, sometimes some are easier than others. Um, one of the things that, that we'll be talking about in this show, one of the first things that we'll do in part one of this series, how to pay less taxes in retirement is this HSA plan, which really I think is super for particularly retirees that are still having an income or even ones that are not. Mm -hmm. You can put money into this HSA plan, even if you're on Medicare, and it's a pretty high amount. Particularly if you're over the age of 50, they give you a catch-up provision. 
And you can put money in, deduct it from your income. It's an above the line deduction. And you can still deduct it regardless of whether or not you're above or below the standard deduction, which, you know, John, we've lost that with charitable contributions, our property taxes. We've lost all of that in this thing, but we never did lose HSA contributions. And it's something that the government's kind of stayed committed to give people tax breaks on, regardless of how much money they're making. Healthcare is so important, and I think there's a trend in healthcare lately to go less from treating diseases to more on the prevention side. And the HSA, I can see why the government wouldn't want to touch that, because they want to promote people being healthy, so they're not having to spend money taking care of themselves in their later years when they have all these chronic illnesses and diseases. And I don't think enough people know about the HSA and the kind of money that you can put into that. So having that as leverage and as an advantage toward your taxes is so important. I'm so glad you brought that up. I appreciate that. So as we continue, so you take the money, you put it into your HSA and it grows tax-free, you know, just like a traditional IRA and you can't invest it. You don't just put it in there and it, and it goes into cash. You put it in there, it can go into stocks, hmm. it can go into bonds and depends on which bank that you go with to have your HSA. It's an excellent way to, to have that. I had it for years. I've had HSAs for years on and off and have always enjoyed them. And you can put a decent amount in there. It varies. You know, it keeps going up each year. I think we're in 2021 now. It might be up to, say, $7,000. So it, it continues just to climb up each year, of course, like all of them do. And then once you put the money in, it grows tax deferred yeah. and free. And then when you make the withdrawals, those are tax-free as well for qualified medical expenses. So you can start at a young age, put your money in. It's going to grow with inflation, tax yep. deferred. Now, of course, if we have a 2008 deflationary tsunami come through or the 2000, 2002, that's fine. It won't grow. The money won't grow. But you can still withdraw it tax-free for qualified expenses up to the age of 65 with a penalty. So if you go in there and you pull the money out before the age of 65, there's going to be a 20% penalty. So we want to compare that to, say, a traditional IRA, of course, when you withdraw from that before the age of 59 and a half, it's, it's a 10% penalty. Well, with, with an HSA, it's a 20% penalty for non-qualified medical expenses before the age of 65. So now all of a sudden, imagine this. You've got this traditional IRA, hopefully a Roth IRA, which is much better for tax purposes in retirement, and you withdraw the money, you don't have to pay a penalty over the age of 59 and a half. Now, all of a sudden, you get to age 65, and you've got this money in an HSA you've contributed to, your medical expenses have been low. Maybe you've gotten it up to, depending on how long, maybe you've gotten it up to, it's grown to as, as large as $100,000, saying you're a married couple. Mm -hmm. And you could do that. And so now you've got this $100,000 after the age of 65, that you can withdraw for anything you want, a TV, a beach house, a car, golf clubs, <laughs> anything you can dream up. And it's another way to give you Roth IRA type income that I love to see for my clients. Everything we're trying to do for our clients is help them be better stewards of their money, stay on top of the laws, use the software that we have to make sure that we stay on top of that and to not only reduce their taxes, reduce their investment expenses, pick out the best type of allocation. Everything we're doing is to help them be better stewards. And boy, reducing this tax thing is at the very top of the list. And that's why it is one of our three meetings that we have for our wealth management clients. All right. So that is number one is the uh, HSA plan. What's number two on ways to save money when it comes to pay less taxes in retirement? 
Number two is something that not everybody can do. Mm-hmm. Whereas with HSA, everybody can do if they want to. It's to keep your income low for Social Security taxation calculation. This is very low. This is below 50000 in the 30000 depending on if you're married and filing jointly or single head of household. It's, it's all a very low range. However, if you can keep it low, meaning if, if your income is going to be at the highest threshold of where the Social Security is, and you're bumping up against that, if you can prevent yourself from going over that, your Social Security income won't be taxed. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing to receive money from the government tax-free. But it is low. You do have to use Roth IRA withdrawals a lot of times if you need extra money, which most people do because Social Security, the, the, the income threshold won't let it happen. But if you withdraw money from your traditional IRA, that's going to put a hurting on you. That's going to go right towards the calculation, towards the provisional income. Only half of the Social Security income will go towards your provisional income to determine how much income tax you pay in retirement and what bracket you're in. So yes, John, if you have taxable accounts, all of this, you want to use different strategies to keep your income down, including municipal bond income. It's not taxed for income, but it is used to calculate whether or not your social security is taxed. So when you have a taxable account, depending on... But most people aren't in that situation. Most people don't have a situation where they've got this huge taxable account, let's say $500,000 million account, and they're, and, and they're trying to keep their income below 34 grand. Right. It just <laughs> doesn't, that doesn't happen for most people. So we don't see that a lot. This particular type of planning are things that we do for people that we've seen them work for a while, and they've done a good job saving, they've done a good job getting out of debt, but they just don't have that much income. I met with a client uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. He was retired from the railroad. He had no car debt, no, no, no type of debt. I said, well, how much are your expenses? And he said, well, my expenses per month are $2,000. And I said, okay, that's fantastic. And, and his, his railroad pension income from the railroad is $46,000. Oh, wow. Okay. So all his career for whatever it was, he's 64 now. Let's say he worked at the railroad. He retired when he was, I started working with him when he was about 50 nine, maybe 60, been working with him four years. But let's say he worked for them for however long he worked. He ended up with a nice retirement plan that we were able to roll into an IRA. But that's a perfect example. $120,000 house paid for, maybe $180,000, I can't remember. No car debt, no credit card debt, living expenses of two grand a month, income of 46000 a year, and this nice size IRA. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a very nice size IRA. And that's all he's got. Mm-hmm. But when you have that railroad pension, those are very beautiful things. So he doesn't have to worry about it. But that's an example of the type of people that would qualify for this situation that I'm talking about. Right. And you want to keep your taxable income down if you can avoid it so that you don't get taxed on the Social Security if your income isn't that high. And there's so many factors and so many variables that go into that. This, of course, is why it's important to talk to somebody like Tommy at Third Act Retirement. Next item on our list has to do with Roth IRAs. I feel like I hear about these a lot. This can be a really valuable tool, right, Tommy? I love it when I'm working with my clients and I find out that Something happened 10 years ago or 15 years, particularly 10 years ago, because the markets have just gone up at 13% a year, of course. And speaking of that, get ready for the next correction in this decade because it's going to be a a beautiful one. 
It's going to be one, <laughs> one for the ages. It might be like the financial crisis, 53% drop. We just had no way. We, we could see one this decade. I, mm. I, I would expect that if I was an investor after 13% per year for, for over a decade now. Yeah. But going back to Roth IRA contributions, I love it when we go in there and we see somebody that has been doing this for 10 or 15 years. For some reason, they read something, they talked to somebody, they used to work with a financial advisor, or maybe even they have one now, and that was something that the advisor advised them to do that was good. Even if he sold them high commission products, he at least got them in a Roth IRA. <laughs> yeah. And so, or maybe he did, maybe it's a fee only guy that they're, they're moving and they're just not happy with. That's happened before too. But we look at a Roth and as you look at a Roth, you can put it in after your taxes is what happened. They tax you first. You have to be real careful now because they've put in restrictions on it. So now there's income threshold. So if you make over a certain amount and I'm not going to say that amount because it changes every single year. So if you're watching this, you need to Google Roth IRA max contributions for your particular year that you're watching this show and go in and it will give you for single, head of household, and married filing jointly. And it will show you exactly when it phases out and exactly how much you can make and still contribute to a Roth. Let's assume you can contribute to a Roth IRA. If you can do that, you put it in after tax and it grows. Now, the average age of a woman now is 80. The average age of a man now is 76. You mean that's life expectancy? Yes, sir. Okay. When I entered this industry, it was 70 for men and 76 for women. Mm -hmm. So men have gone up, you know, 9%. Women have gone up about 5% life expectancy just in the 20 years I've been in this industry. So let's say you retire when you're 60. If life expectancy goes up again, by that percentage. So if you retire at 60, your life expectancy as a man could be 80. Your life expectancy mm. for a woman could be 83. Another three years is a lot in the world of financial planning. Sure, yeah. So it, particularly when you get towards the end, depending on how much you're planning on spending, if you don't have these big pensions and you don't have low expenses. So Roth IRA, you put the money in after taxes, as most people know, or a lot of people know. There's also, there's catch-up provisions for people over the age of 50. You cannot take it out before the age of 59 and a half without being penalized a 10% penalty. Yeah. The money grows tax deferred, just like a traditional IRA. However, when you come to take it out, it's not going to be taxed at all. And it's not going to be used to calculate how your social security benefit will be taxed. Good to know. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love it. There's few things that I love more, maybe the HSA, but there's a few <laughs> things that I love more to see that someone has an account in than a Roth or an HSA. Because even with a taxable account, if it's big enough and the client's income is on one of the brackets, we have to be very careful with making sure that those larger accounts don't spit out dividends and interest where it bumps the client and Social Security gets unnecessarily been taxed or it just bumps them into the next bracket. For example, they could jump. The big jump, of course, is from 12 to 22% right now. And I think under this new administration, I think only the top three, we're talking about that today with one of my clients. And of course, he's, you know, he's conservative and all this. And a lot of the conservative people have been out of shape, just as we saw a lot of people pitching a fit with the more conservative president got into office. So right. he was saying, I, I told him, point him I, said, I don't think they're going to touch. I think the top three brackets are going to get touched, which hit, which right now for a single person, if you make more than $165,000, I would suspect you will be hit the hardest. 
as you go up higher above 165,000 as a single person, you're going to get hit harder and harder and harder, in my opinion, based on what I'm mm-hmm. seeing. A married couple, I believe it's 330,000. The more you go above that, the harder and harder you'll get hit. But if you're below those 330,000 as a married couple, 165,000 as a single person, my opinion is you're not going to get hit that hard. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's not what I'm seeing. That's not what I think they're targeting. That's not what I think they're trying to do. So going back to the Roth, you withdraw these things tax-free. There's no lifetime R&Ds for the Roth IRA. That's another great advantage. You don't have to start taking them. It's just great where you can also convert the money over is what we kind of talked about from the beginning of this particular segment is taking a traditional IRA and then converting that over to a Roth. Again, when you're doing that, it's going to trigger income and you have to watch your bracket. You really have to watch. If you're going from, say, 22 to 24, it's not that big of a deal. But if you're going from 12 to 22, that is a big deal. That really is. And that's why you need to understand what you're doing, how much you're converting. It's important to do tax planning if you want to be the best steward that you can be. And I think most people do. They just need some help with it and, and they just need to take a little time. And you don't, you don't have to spend as much time if you have a professional working with you. And the last item on our list for part one of this series, Tommy, is bunching charitable contributions. The minute or so we've got left, let's quickly hit on that. Quickly, with the new law, tax reform of 2017, they've got a standard deduction. So now we don't get to deduct our charitable contributions if they don't push us above the standard deduction. So quite simply, if your charitable deductions are not pushing you above the standard deduction, or even if they are, it's better to bunch them. So one year, just use the standard deduction, whether it's 12000 25000 if you're married, just use it. The next year, let's say you were going to give 10000 to charities. The next year, give 20000 and use the other deductions that you have. And we'll talk later about more bunching, but you can do that and it'll throw you over the standard deduction, it'll increase your deduction for that year. Why not do that? So one year you just got a standard, the next year you've got higher than standard, because if you don't do this, every year you're just going to have standard. So that's another way that we help our clients reduce their taxes. Thanks, John. Fair enough. Tommy, if somebody wants to come talk to you at Third Act Retirement, what are the best ways to find you? The best way to find me is on my website, www.thirdactretirement.com. Just go on there and and hit get started and just set up a 20-minute retirement ready success call. We'll go over where you are now, where you want to be, and then we'll see if we want to have another meeting after that. Sounds good, Tommy. Look forward to part two of our conversation. Thank you there, big boy. Appreciate you. 